chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall promise profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Didn't say the law wasn't any good. Just said if you're trying to live the law in order to get saved, you better do it all. Then Christ has become of no effect unto you. You whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're trying to be justified by the law. Nobody is justified by the law, but you're trying to be. Y'all are fallen from grace. People that are doing that have left the doctrine of grace. You've gone back to works. Doesn't mean they lost their salvation. They never had it. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness. By faith. And so has every other child of God from Adam on. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. If one is circumcised for a religious purpose, like the Jews... Nothing to brag about. Or if you're not circumcised, nothing to brag about. But faith, which worketh by love. Ye, second person plural, you believers in Galatia and all of you churches of Galatia, y'all did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You know, evil communications corrupt good manners. I think we've kind of sang a little bit about that that last song. And this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Who called you? If you've been called, you've been called by God. And he didn't teach you to be circumcised. In order to be saved. Ah. Here's the problem. A little leaven leaven at the whole up. Y'all been messing with heretics. He said. Back in chapter 4. He said I'm afraid of you. He said in chapter 1. I marvel, verse 6, that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He said also back in chapter 4, he said, 
Have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth? Better hold on to that one. Because you'll become enemy to a lot of people, even people who say that they're like you are. I can tell you some places, churches, where I'm their worst nightmare. I'm serious. And the only reason is I just... Preaching the truth of God's word. Yeah, but you shouldn't say all that. Really? What should I say? What you're saying? <laughs> Paul said, I have confidence in you, you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. That is the heretic that's influencing you. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision. Now, he did one time before he was saved. He was a Jew, a Pharisee on the Sanhedrin Council. He believed it, preached it, and taught it. Works for salvation. But he said, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I'm going to try to talk to you a little bit about the offense of the cross. But you know, hold on there just a little bit. In 2 Corinthians... I think it's chapter 6, maybe. Verse 4, right to the church at Corinth. But in all things proving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes. Now let's imagine that the Apostle Paul has, somebody has entered his name into the First Baptist Church of Podunk Holler. Biggest church in town. And they're wanting that church to consider this preacher to be their pastor. He says, verse 5, in stripes. That means stripes put on his back by whip. In imprisonments, <laughs> he didn't just get thrown in jail one time. Imprisonments, many places, many times. In tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, 
by love unfeigned. Y'all want this man to be your pastor. He spent much of his time in prison, being beat, being run out of town, secreted out of, out of towns at night, lowered in a basket over walls. His family rejected him, kicked him out, had a funeral for him. All of his kinfolk, his uh, nation, they've rejected him. How do you think he'll fit in as your pastor? <laughs> well, wonder how he'll be with the young people. They wouldn't want this man as a pastor. We don't want some riffraff like that. We've got to have an upstanding man who is loved by all. Well, wouldn't make it. Well, you know, the, the religion of Christ, when I'm talking about true religion, that's what I'm talking about. The religion of, I'm not talking about the religion of this world. I'm not talking about Christianity at large, that big umbrella. Raise that big umbrella. Now, who roosts under that umbrella? Everything that you can think of. You can drive by and see it. You can but drive by Church Row on Taste Creek Pike. And you can see it if you come out from town. On the left, there you got gigantic cross. Go up a little bit on the left. That had a phallic symbol and steeples and crosses just like the one on the Vatican in Rome. Next door to it, they got one. I guess they had the same, the same manufacturer made both of them. They both look just like. You go over here on the right, you got another one. You go on up on the left, you got two more. Just one right after another. They all look alike. And I guarantee you, to a great degree, you listen to what's going on inside, and there ain't a nickel's worth of difference. As a matter of fact, those pastors might subscribe to the same sermon service to where they get their Sunday sermon in the mail. And when you listen to them, you can't shake them up in a bag. You couldn't tell one from another. I don't believe that's the way the Apostle Paul was. But now their, their brand of religion, it is... Uh, not troublesome. The only one that gives those folks trouble are people like me. Truly, Jesus Christ has not brought chaos and war and hatred to this earth. Not at all. A boy springing up around him and springing up around his word, springing up around those who declare his word, I'm telling you the cross is an offense. 
hatred, bloodshed, persecution, martyrdom. The people who have perverted it, the religion of Christ. That's where the problems come from. Think of the Catholicism, Mohammedanism, or Islam, and a few of the others, but mostly those isms. Do you all know medieval Europe, the dark ages of Europe, now modern day historians don't call it the dark ages. They have, they have advanced beyond that. It's the Middle Ages. But I still call it the Dark Ages. Let's look at uh, Constantine in the 4th century. The Emperor of Rome. And he's the one in 313 A.D. He passed the uh, Edict of Toleration, which said that the Roman Empire that ruled the then known world were now going to stop persecuting Christianity. They were going to tolerate it. And that's the way it went on for a little bit. And then he legitimized his brand of Christianity. And then it went further. They made Christianity the religion of Rome. But now understand, it wasn't Christ's Christianity, the religion of Christ. It was the religion of Constantine that had been amalgamated with the ancient religion of Rome. Rome as a world power, they were older than that, but Rome as a world power from 190 B.C. and to 476 A.D., that's about 666 years if that means anything. That's how long they were a political world power. But in all the time of Rome's heyday, the 666 years, up until Constantine came on the scene, paganism is the religion of Rome. Well, when, they, when, when the Romans conquered or captured the Greeks, then they amalgamated the Greek pagan religion and then all of the others that they captured and conquered, they just amalgamated all of those pagan religions into the religion of Rome. So when Constantine did what he did, and it was a political move that he did, he made that religion and called it Christianity, and he made that the religion of Rome, and you had to be that 
Have you ever heard of the Nicene Creed? I think the Apostles' Creed is based on that. But one of the statements of the Nicene Creed is the Holy Catholic Church. The president of the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, he written a book on the Apostles' Creed, what a great thing it is. And it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Well, I don't. And I would not. But if we digress much further than where we are in the United States today, you're going to pay a price for that. We're already somewhat. Anyway, Spurgeon said the religion of Christ is of the dove, but the religion of Muhammad is of the vulture. True. True statement. Well, around the cross has been nothing but bloodshed, hatred, and animosity. Paul talks about the offense of the cross. Now, I don't think many people understand that cross. Because I see everybody and his brother and sister. They got a cross hanging around their neck, got one tattooed on them, hanging off of their ears. You wouldn't believe the people that are wearing crosses. Yeah, I've... Give me that. Some sn- Have y'all seen all the crosses? Which one you want? We say, oh, that's a Christian symbol. Really? No, it's not. It was heathen then, and it still is. Amen. When Paul said the offense of the cross, he didn't that is not an offense to anybody. While the worst, the worst scallywag may have a cross around his neck. Constantine had one on his, on his shirt when he became emperor of Rome before he ever messed with so-called Christianity because it's pagan. It was then, it still is now. So that cross ain't causing an offense. Obviously not. So what in the world is Paul talking about? I wanted to mention something else while I'm on this political stuff. Some of you weren't even born. Many of you weren't even born in this. In 1960, everybody was born in, raise your hand. About half of you. Do you remember Nikita Khrushchev of Russia? 
banging his shoe on the counter at the United Nations. Now, he didn't take his shoe off. He brought a shoe in there for that. He made a big show out of that. 1959, he said, Russia is not going to have to attack the United States. He said that uh, the American people are gullible. He knew what he was talking about. Y'all know how gullible the American people are? We had the Muslims fly planes into the two towers in New York City and murdered, I don't, in the other planes, the Pentagon and, and all, how many people were murdered by Muslim terrorists then. And the next president, we elected a Muslim to be president of the United States. Obama was a Muslim. Barack Hussein Obama, that's his Muslim name. And it wasn't because people didn't know the truth. People tried to tell the truth. Anyway, he's right. The American people are so gullible. Now we, what we've been hit with is communism. I mean, you got them in Washington. Bukus of them that are espousing. They call it socialism. But socialism and communism is the same thing. Socialism, or communism is just socialism with a gun to your back, and as quick as they can get that gun to our back, they're going to get it there. But they've got the same ideology. And Khrushchev said, we're not going to have to fight you all. We're going to, we're going to take you over and there won't be a shot fired. And we're not going to do it all at once. We're going to do it a little by a piece at a time. And what in the world has been going on? Till now, everything that they've said. You read the, you read the, the writings of Karl Marx, the Communist Manifesto, and uh, rules for revolution. They're all being followed, every one of them. Till now, as Brother Randy talked about this morning in our devotion, in our schools, government schools, they're absolutely controlled by communist ideology. And all of this about gender. What a lie! God made man, male and female. And there are no more genders. We're even being told now that men can have babies. And the, the, the common said, the bigger the lie, the more people will swallow. Until now, what'd you say? You can't even, you can't even protest without getting in big trouble. And as more it goes, it's going to be worse than that. So, Paul talked about the offense of the cross. Well, believe you me, 
Paul said, if, if I'm still preaching works salvation, uh, then is the offense of the cross ceased. But believe you me, that offense had not ceased in Paul's day. And it has not ceased in our day. And when we preach and teach and stand on the cross of Christ, and I'm not talking about displaying it, wearing it. I'm talking about the preaching of the cross. Amen. Talking about doing a funeral. You, you, you know what? I don't know how many funerals I've preached. I have been praised for preaching a funeral. And I have been cursed for preaching a funeral. More than once, I have been hated for what I preached at a funeral. I've been hated for what I've preached in some churches. Heard about one just the other day. I'd heard it before, but forgot about it. That doesn't stay with me. I know it's happened, but it's nothing that fear causes me to fear. I know it's going to happen, and I know it does happen. And I know that I, everybody's not going to love me. They never have. And boy, Jesus said, beware when all men do love you. All men didn't love the apostle Paul. And I got news for you. All men did not love the Jesus Christ that we know of. When he preached in John 6, and he fed the multitudes of 5,000, probably upwards of 20,000 or more. They were all for him as long as he's giving them free food. But as soon as he started preaching truth to them, no man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. That knocks out Arminianism. Amen. The Arminians say, oh, well, everybody's got a little bit of good in them. If we just do, if we pray enough and tell enough sad stories, we can get them into the kingdom of God. No, you can't. You can't do anything but what God said to do. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's our business. And when you preach it, if you do it like Paul did, not with fancy words, but with great plainness of speech to where they flat understand what you're saying. I've had them say, oh, I don't understand how he preaches. I don't understand what he preaches. Well, I don't think that's really a problem. I think the problem is they do understand what I'm preaching. There's where the problem. See, a lot of people don't understand a lot about the word of God, but it doesn't bother them because they don't understand it. And I'll tell you, what I don't understand about the Word of God does not bother me a bit. The thing that bothers me is what I do understand about it. I don't have to understand the whole thing to know who God is and what I must do before God. So, this country is no longer if it ever was, in some spots maybe, but if it ever was friendly to the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
It is not now. Matter of fact, most of these big programs, organizations, they flat out tell you, you cannot pray or speak in the name of Jesus Christ. I've been told that from Lexington, downtown Lexington. They wrote and asked me if I would would uh, come to the and open up their council meeting, the city council meeting of Lexington, with prayer. But right in there, it gave me the instructions of what kind of prayer. And Jesus Christ, His name is not to be mentioned. And I did not go down there. Well, you missed an opportunity. Do what? By denying Christ, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity I do not want and will not take if I've got my right mind about me. So has the offense of the cross ceased? No. It's right where it's always been. It is offensive. When you preach the cross, you're preaching the death of Jesus Christ that was according to the Old Testament. And in the fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son made of a woman born under the law that he might redeem them that were under the law. How that Christ, now Paul, Paul writing to the Corinthians, not the world at large, you've got to get off of that. Right. The church of God which was at Corinth, he says to them how that Christ died for our sins. He wasn't talking about the inclusive world. And anybody's got any knowledge at all of hermeneutics and interpreting the Bible, you know I'm right. How that Christ died. If you're saved, you're one of them. Amen. He died for our sins according to to the writings of the Old Testament, the prophecies of the Old Testament. And he literally died. He didn't swoon, as the liberals try to say. And he was buried. And he didn't remain in that tomb 36 hours. There's one sign. And one sign given, and that was Jonah in the belly of the whale. And Jesus did teach that. Amen. We saw that when? I don't know. Last week sometime. Wednesday. Three days and three nights. Why do you emphasize that? 
Because everybody's telling you that it was a day and a half. So who? Most Baptists are telling you that. Let alone Protestants. And I don't know what Catholics are saying about it. But the Bible very plainly teaches 72 hours. Three twelves and three twelves. And then he arose physically, bodily, from the grave. Just as the scriptures prophesied. Now that is the fact or the facts of the gospel. Does that bother anybody? It bothers a world of people. And matter of fact, they do everything in their power. I've been in hospital rooms. Daddy or granddaddy or mama or grandmama or wife or husband is lying there on death bed. And I'm talking to them about their soul. And I'm telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're lost and you must, you must repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they'll interrupt me. And say, oh, he, he, he was baptized. You devil, shut your mouth. You think you're doing good. Trying to block the gospel. Is that offensive to you? Is the gospel offensive to you? If it is, you're on that side. Satan's side. Now, look really quick at 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Verse 17, Paul writes to the verse 2 says, The church of God, which is at Corinth. Now, go on over to verse 17. Not that I wouldn't want to read all of it, I just don't have time to read the whole Bible. And this is the Apostle Paul. And you Campbellites that believe you got to be baptized to be saved, listen to what Paul said. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And the next time you say that, the, that baptism is part of the gospel, know that you're telling a big fat lie. Amen. Baptism and the gospel are separated. Amen. They're not the same thing. And Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest, and that's not least, that's lest, the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. There's the cross. For the preaching of the cross 
is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, and I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Where are these people that, that they argue against everything godly? The disputers of this world. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? All of these disputers. The Bill Nye's and all of his ilk. God has made foolish all of their wisdom. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Dr. Hogjaws and all of your doctor's degrees and every other degree that you've got, you can't take your education and come to God. For that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Now go back to verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is the antecedent to the foolishness of preaching. That's the preaching of the cross, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Preach it, not display it. You see the loaded crosses? They call them crucifixes. They got a dude on the cross. That's not the cross of Christ. We preach Christ crucified. He was crucified 2,000 years ago. He did satisfy the justice of Almighty God in behalf of all of the sins of all of His people. And He was buried and rose again 72 hours later having obtained eternal salvation for all of His people. Thou shalt call His name Jesus for He shall save His people from their sins. He was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. He said, Teleo, it is finished. Verse 24. He said, the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But unto them which are called. I believe Paul said something like that in Galatians, didn't he? Oh, the one who called you didn't teach you this. <laughs> and here's that calling again. Unto them which are called. 
and I could put a modifier in that. Effectually called. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught or nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Uh Uh-oh, there are some offensive terms there, words. But of him, by him, the God who called you, are you in Christ, spiritual union with Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We have all of that in Christ. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Man. Brother Paul, he wrote the stuff, didn't he? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Go back to Galatians. Paul says it's not after man. Chapter 1 he says so. The gospel is not after man. Man didn't devise it. And the gospel there is, listen to this. The complete absence of ritual. So when we come out there at Richmond Road and said, y'all don't do much. You just get together and have prayer and then sing a couple of songs and then go to the Bible. Oh, you want us to do something. I've told you this before. People call me and say, used to, I don't go, go much anymore. Nobody can, really. Uh, Pastor, would you come and see my dad? He's about to die in the hospital. And uh, sure. And I get out there and and I say, sir, are you saved? Oh, he's all right. He's all right. I said, he didn't answer. You did. Are you saved? Tell him how to be saved. Then I said, let's have prayer. And Lord, your will be done. And they are so disappointed in me. What a disappointment you are. We thought you'd come out here and do something. Well, the Campbellites and some Baptists and the Catholics... 
Well, they come out and they do something. They do. They have their communion kit. The Catholics have their baby rattle with their holy water. And their, what do you call it? The, it's not the monstrance, that's a big cross. Some kind of mantle, the blessed thing they put around their neck. The Jews do that too. And then they walk around, shake the water, the holy water, shake that baby rattle over. Well, the Masons would do that too. They, they do the same with their evergreen sprig. And the Camelot opens up his little little thing, and I guess he's got water in there and some bread. And he gives him a piece of bread and a little sip of water and says some holy words about it. Yeah, see, they did something. Or in extreme cases, I told you about one that, that they got the, the Episcopalian priest come out there and he sprinkled a guy. I guess with holy water, baptized him. But see, all them holy joes, they come out and they do something. And all you do is just tell him something that scares him to death. There's the offense of the cross, folks. Because when you preach the cross, it's not after man. It is the complete absence of ritual. Man devises rituals. You'd be surprised how many so-called Baptists, Southern Baptists, Northern Baptists, are going back and having ritualistic baby christenings. But we don't do anything. In spite of the gospel, the gospel is all about Christ. The gospel is not about me and it's not about you. It's about Christ, His person. He is the Christ. Is not this the Messiah? And it's about his work of redemption. His complete work of, re- of, of redemption. Uh, when you preach the cross, it destroys all human ability. Amen. Well, well, I want you to encourage me. I want to do something. You can't. All you can do is receive the just desert of your sin. You don't own any righteousness. You don't own any ability to get yourself right with God. Those old crosses they used to have on the roadside, get right with God. Maybe they meant well. But how do people think they can get right with God? Oh, I know I'll go get baptized. 
that won't get you right with God. Amen. The only way to get right with God is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said in Romans, when we were yet without strength. He didn't say we had a little bit. Certainly didn't say we had a lot. Didn't even say we had a little bit of strength. When we were totally unable, we preach the doctrine of total depravity. Another good term for total depravity is total inability. Now let me tell you, you get much detrimental feedback. When you preach that. Because all of the religionists start at the top with the big Catholics and all the way down. They all are proud of themselves and proud of their works. And God, here we are. What are you going to do for us? You ought to be grateful, Lord, that I'm sitting here in this church. That I made the effort to come here and I didn't stay home watching television. And now here I've sacrificed and come here. You ought to be grateful, God. But when you preach the gospel, you have to, bring, you have to preach total inability. Amen. There is nothing else that a lost sinner can do totally unable. They want it all preached within their own power and strength. Well, look at the rich young ruler. Actually, the Samaritan woman at the well was in pretty much the same vein. When she recognized that Jesus was a holy man, Y'all, our fathers worship in this mountain. I've had them do me that way. Back years ago. Oh, you're a preacher. I saw the movie Ten Commandments. I said, I read the book. But why would you why would you do that? Here you see a preacher, and the first thing out of your mouth, I saw the movie Ten Commandments. Did that somehow qualify you as a believer, as a man of religion? They think so. They reach out and grab anything they can. Well, the rich young ruler, the Lord said, you know the commandments. Well, he knew he did because he was a Jew. He'd been raised with him. And what did he say? Well, I've kept all these things from my youth up. But what one thing do I lack that I might go into the, get into the kingdom of heaven? What one thing? I'm almost there. 
A lot of pastors would have brought him in on that. Well, number one, he was rich. I mean, you just, uh, you don't turn that in the way. And he was a morally clean man. He thought anyway. So what one thing? I got one more thing I think that I got to do and I'll be all right. Do you think he's the only one that feels that way? People going to these churches like, like I know we pick on him a lot because he needs to be picked on. Joel Osteen. I mean, I've heard him say in, in interviews that, uh, oh, he won't preach anything negative. He just preaches positive stuff that God wants to do something for you. And I'll teach you how to be successful. And the first place is give me your money and you'll be successful. That's what most of them do. What was his name? The old boy that came out on the stage. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. He had a robe on and he would swirl with that robe. And then he'd go, God wants to do something wonderful for you today. Does anybody remember him? What a phony. But look at the thousands of people that made him filthy rich. That are making Joel Osteen filthy rich. And I'm not complaining about that. I mean, he's going to pay for that someday. You know, he ain't going to take that with him. And what he takes with them is a whole bunch of judgment. But anyway, people basically believe that they're not that bad. Have you ever had anybody say, well, I'm not that bad? I'm not as bad as Al Capone. Our president is, but nobody but us may not be. Well, he stole a lot more money than Al Capone did. And his son, look at the multiplied millions that they have stolen. Pelosi and all of them. You ready now come arrest me over that? But I'm telling you that the offense of the cross is still here. The cross is contrary to man's ideas. Uh, look at Romans 3 real quick. Verse 9, as Paul writes to the Gentile Roman church, and this is not the Roman Catholic church. This is the church which was at Rome. Verse 9, he says, what then? Are we better than they? No one knows. He's talking about the difference between Gentiles and Jews. For we have before proved 
both Jews and Gentiles, and they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You can't get any plainer than that. From the Pope at Rome, to the dictator in Washington, D.C., to Frankfort, Kentucky, Sacramento, California, there is none righteous, no, not one. They're all under sin, which means they're under the judgment of God. There's none that understandeth. With all of your education, with all of your intellect, there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. You hear songs, souls are crying, men are seeking after God. Where? They may be seeking after religion, but they ain't seeking after God. God said they weren't. Look, they're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Generally none, specifically not one. Their throat is an open grave. What's an open grave smell like? What's a dead body smell like? A rottening body. You talk about halitosis. And I don't think Listerine can help it. Jesus said, for out of the heart come the issues. And every filthy, abominable sin is right there in the heart. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they have used deceit. He doesn't, he doesn't call any of them. They all have. I came forth from my mother's womb speaking lies is what David said. The poison of asp is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing. And bitterness. You just have to be around at the right time. You can hear it out of a lot of mouths. Most of them. Their feet are swift to shed blood. We demand the right to murder our babies. How much of that's going on? How much is going on in the Washington, D.C. Capitol with Biden and whatever that woman's name is? She was on the news yesterday. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. You talk about a condemnation. There's a condemnation of lost humanity. And that's everybody that has not been saved by the grace of God. Man does not like to be pronounced unclean. Can you go up to Mount Sinai and say, yeah, I don't know. 
Paul says in Hebrews, we've not come to Mount Sinai. <laughs> we haven't come to Mount Sinai to get saved. There ain't no salvation in Mount Sinai for a lost man. There ain't nothing I can get but death and misery from Mount Sinai. Not because of the law, but because it's weak through the flesh. But we've come to Mount Zion. And what's on Mount Zion? The cross. That Jesus died. Not one of them stinking crosses there. The cross that Jesus died on. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Armenians take offense at the cross. You know why? Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. Paul said, elect according to the, or Peter said, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Paul said, elect before the, chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holding without blame before him in love. The Armenian says, oh, he chose us because we believed. So your salvation is all in you. No, it's not. It's in the Lord. If you've got it, it's in the Lord. The cross is contrary to man's idea of his position, of his status. Well, these dignitaries that die, look how they're buried. I mean, parade after parade and people line the streets just to see their coffin. And all of the Holy Joes pronounce all of this glorious stuff. But the real truth of the matter is, if they haven't submitted themselves to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth, and if they haven't come down and bowed before Jesus Christ in repentance and faith in the gospel, they're burning in hell right then. I don't care how much you spend on that coffin. Publican sinners, Pharisees, kings, queens, princes, presidents, governors, billionaires, quadrillionaires, millionaires, and paupers have got to come the same way. Now, I don't know about this. I do know that worms survive the flood. But do you know that a giraffe, probably not a 17-footer, probably a young giraffe, a big animal, a hippo, whatever kind of animals they had. And a worm came in the same door. <laughs> that little worm, that inchworm. <laughs> they came in the same door. And Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any enter in. Well, 
How does that gospel offend? Families reject you. Nations reject you. Religions kill you. But the offense of the gospel is still right there. Hadn't changed a bit. And God says that's what our job is, to preach it. In simplicity, with great plainness of speech, so that they will understand what we're saying. If you're not saved, the gospel, that is the only remedy. But first you must understand that you're lost and without hope in yourself.